Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Tiger Woods podcast right here on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. How are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? Cam Rogers with you. I am back alongside Bridget Whalen. Thank God, because I was lonely last week. And of course, we are your Tiger Woods experts. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Leave a review. We certainly appreciate it. And of course, hit us up on social media. I am on Twitter at MrRogers99 and on Instagram at MrRogers98. You can follow Bridget on Twitter and Instagram at Bridget K. Waylin. Here's the lowdown with the show today. Full-on U.S. Open recap. Bryson DeChambeau tames the winged foot beast. We'll talk about his historic performance plus, of course. Tiger Woods' struggles in his first miscut since the PGA Tour restart. What does it mean for him going forward here in this quote-unquote fall swing? Update on Tiger Woods' schedule, and then, of course, the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. Say that a million times fast. Bridget and I have our expert picks for the low-key PGA Tour event here this week, but certainly an intriguing one with some young talent playing in the field. So of course, this is the Tiger Woods podcast presented by betonline.ag. The wait is finally over and football is back. You know it, two weeks in. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place. And there is always the online casino as well. You know it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. Okay, U.S. Open. At Wingfoot, I'll be honest, I was a little worried after the first round, Bridget, where scoring was low, and I was like, well, I mean, where's that plus seven winning score going to happen this week? Because apparently it won't. But hey, Friday came, Saturday came, Sunday came, and then uh, Wingfoot showed its teeth. Bridget, you were there on site. Before we dive into Bryson and Tiger and all that, just your general thoughts on our nation's championship. I'd just like to say that, remember, we are in September and we're in the Northeast. And as a representative of the USGA, we wanted to have everyone finished on those first two days. So you all thought that it was set up easier, but we're just trying to get the job done. (laughs) Um, That's my two cents. That's all I got. And hey, we we gave Justin Thomas a record. So whatever. Just take it as a win. what 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 was the question? What did you, hi everyone, I'm back. What did <laughs> you, you back, folks? <laughs> uh, just your general you thoughts. Yeah, just what did you think about general the event? Thoughts. It was freezing. I was in a tent and it was so cold. This Florida girl was was very cold this past week uh, up in Mamaroneck. I thought that the event was awesome. I thought that the locale was stellar. Wingfoot is beautiful. It is I like 
the camera, the TV cameras don't do it justice. It's a fabulous course. And it was so fun to be able to go there every day for over a week. I had a blast. The event, I think, wound up ending in a way that I didn't think it would, but this year is kind of weird all around. So eh, just add it to the the Hmm. weirdness. I always thought that U.S. Opens put a premium on fairway play. Bryson didn't hit that many fairways. His strength clearly is working because he was knocking it out of the rough like no problem, which typically you would think would be difficult, but his strength just sort of annihilated Wingfoot's West course. It really did. And I think that seeing Matt Wolf up at the top was also about strength. He's young. He's 21. His wrists are like Gumby. He's not really going to get hurt if he has to hack it out of some place. And and that's kind of what we saw this past week. It, It was a weird sort of like change of precedent for U.S. Open because guys who bomb it and who hit it straight, like Dustin Johnson, yeah, he finished in the top 10, but, but other guys beat him and, and they, you know, they played the course better. So one thing that I learned about the U S open is that, uh, yeah, I think, you know, you can have a different approach than what is the mainstream. And obviously Bryson DeChambeau, put that on full display last week. Here was me last week. Quote, I don't give Bryson much of a chance. I'm pretty sure I said that multiple times in my radio interviews last week. And then there's Bryson. Instead of hold my beer, hold my protein shake, he goes out and wins, gains over seven strokes on the field. The best final round total, by the way, by a U.S. Open champion since Johnny Miller's 63 at Oakmont. The third player to win the U.S. Open, U.S. Amateur, and the NCAA Division One and Individual Championship since Tiger and Jack Nicholas. So, I mean, elite company, truly a remarkable performance. Bridget, 22 fairways for the week. 22, lowest for a champion since that stat was being tracked, and yet he ranked third in strokes gained off the tee. So I guess this begs the question, is Bryson just going to do Bryson the rest of his career? And how long can he do the Bryson that he is doing right now? So I think that Bryson definitely has tapped into something. I don't exactly know what he has tapped into because I've heard a lot of golfers play better when they lose weight. I know that he's bulking up in the sense of he's gaining power and he's doing it in the totally right way. Chris Cuomo is a genius. And I heard that they did leave a trail of breadcrumbs. So if anything goes awry, they know how to get back to where they were or even get back to where Bryson was initially before he decided to put all this weight on. During the press junket, he did say, though, that he wants to gain more weight. But he talked about how now having put on 40 pounds of muscle slash fat, but I think it's I don't think, I think people think he's doing this really in an unhealthy manner. And I I don't think that that's the case. So he did say he wants to gain 15, 20 more. I think actually, I forget what he said his weight was, but I think he wants to get at least 15 more pounds, but there's like a sort of negative return. Once you gain all that weight, it's harder to keep gaining weight. 
So I think he only has a certain amount of time that he could really get up to that weight and then maintain it because it's so hard to maintain it. Putting it on, I don't think is a struggle. I think it's the maintenance, but I think he's going to do it. I think he has a plan in play here. I don't know if this would work for everybody. I don't agree with him when he says that people should look to him as sort of a way to do things. And, and I don't actually think that he thinks of himself as like a pioneer. So I don't actually think that he thinks that. I don't think he should sort of, I don't think he thinks that he's talking to the youth in golf, like, Hey, you guys probably want to bulk up because it's going to give you a lot more swing speed, a lot more power, a lot more advantages. If you're a great iron player and you're bombing it like Bryson, there's, I mean, that's really it. And that's what we saw when DJ annihilated the field and, and won by so many, won by, he won by 11 shots, right? Or whatever he won by. Like that's craziness. But if you're hitting it straight and you're hitting it far and your iron game is dialed in, I mean, <laughs> you're hitting greens and you're making the putts also, which Bryson was putting really well. That's the thing that Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, they struggled on the greens. And yeah, they had great top 10 finishes, but if they had made more putts, they might've won. So for me, the whole weight thing is it's, it's good for Bryson and it's clearly working. And it kind of makes me a little sad in the sense that your body could sort of dictate how well you do in an event. I like, I love Tiger Woods. I like to think that he is a wizard with his irons. He used to be a wizard with the putter. I like the finesse. I like the touch. I like those things being rewarded as opposed to gaining 40 pounds and being rewarded. But with that said, Bryson is definitely doing this in a really scientific shocker way. And it's totally working. And on Saturday night, I knew he was going to win on Sunday. Not just that Matt Wolf is inexperienced. It was more that I, I sort of knew that, that Bryson had tamed Wingfoot. He tamed it all right. And I was having this internal debate and I talked about it on the podcast last week, accuracy versus distance at a United States Open. And the data narrowly, narrowly favored the distance people. And that kind of like rung a bell in my head because initially you think you have to hit the fairway, you have to hit the fairway, you have to hit the fairway. But even if you do a good amount, you're likely going to be a shorter hitter, which means you have longer approach shots into the greens, which means you're going to have to drain a lot more longer putts for birdie or par perhaps. And so it just puts added stress on the rest of your game if you are not as long as, say, a Dustin Johnson or a Bryson DeChambeau. Now, my concern with Bryson going into this week was just that he was going to be way too wayward off the tee, and I was right. But what I was wrong about, like you mentioned, Bridget, his ability to just dig and grind out of that vegetation that was the rough at winged foot and still hit it on the green pretty solidly and at a respectable clip is something that I did not see happening and certainly didn't see it for Tiger Woods, but for somebody like Bryson DeChambeau who put on a ton of poundage over the off season and clearly came into this PGA tour season with a game plan. He is somebody who can accomplish that. And I liked him a lot 
and still do for the Masters. I did not like him at all for the U.S. Open. I am certainly willing to admit that. And boy, am I on a hot streak. Tommy Fleetwood, miscut. Bryson DeChambeau, no way he, uh, he's going to win this U.S. Open. Ends up winning it. So obviously, I'm just all hot and fire. So Bridget, you better be better with your picks this week. But be, with all of that... Fair. What's that? <laughs> just interject. To be fair, I don't think a lot of people saw Bryson yeah. doing what, let alone securing that's doing well. And I don't know if it had anything to do with his weight or or that whole sort of focus of this year. I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think he figured something out early on and then something went awry with his swing and then he worked on it that Saturday night. So for him, why he was successful here is because I think that he, he mastered something there. And, and that happens. That happens all the time where someone figures something out at a course. I mean, Tiger has figured out Augusta point blank. <laughs> like that guy, he, know, he envisions shots on that course. For me, I think winged foot for Bryson, something clicked there. And then something off clicked and then it re-clicked. So that's like a little bit of luck too. And that all plays into it. You know, it was really interesting too. I mean, the only player with momentum on that Sunday was Bryson. And even right. maybe even Saturday, everybody was just kind of falling back and floating around. And then Bryson's just, you know, chugging along doing his thing. And so he mentioned this in his winning press conference. He wants to get longer. He wants to get right. bigger. And you mentioned this, there's kind of this, you know, I guess, curve here where you get immediate gains, G-A-I-N-Z, and then the gains sort of trail off a little bit. You know, even if you continue to work hard, and Bryson talked about this, how there's just this leveling effect here when you're working out and you kind of just hit your max, you plateau, if you will, because you can only do what is the, within the confines of your own body. Not everybody is Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, you know, I think he understands that, but he's keying in on hitting it longer. And so that's why I like him a lot at Augusta, just to give an early look to the Masters. I mean, he's going to have such short shots into eight, into 13, into 15, these par fives. He's going to gobble them up, and I don't see how he finishes outside the top 10. But yeah, I think it's really intriguing that he's still working at it. He's still going for more fitness. Oh, he, he will not stop. He was on this, the back nine, the, the late back nine, 16, 17, hitting shots at Wingfoot and then writing notes. He was, he grinds and I just need to interject and say, or gains that guy, whoever <laughs> reached out to Bryson from Morgan. I mean, they need a raise. He sat down to do media post post win and he said to someone, hold on, we can't start. I need my organs. He, he, needed, he needed the product, product placement at, his, at its finest, which is awesome. I mean, good, good for him, good for organs. For me, I think that he, he's such an interesting player in the sense that he, he doesn't want to stop. He likes doing media. He likes putting in the effort. There's so many guys out on tour that it's almost like a chore to talk to the media. It's a chore to do anything else than to tee it up and go out and play around. That's not Bryson. Bryson like thrives on the whole sort of circular 
encompassment that being a pro golf pro athlete, I guess in general, but a pro golfer means. And he, he, he's like a showman to me. He's a total showman. I believed the tears. I don't think they were crocodile tears when he saw his parents on the Cisco, you know, the, the FaceTime video, but he totally, he knows how to turn it on on the course and he knows how to turn it on for everybody else. I think he's super likable. I know that people sort of have a, I mean, I guess when someone is that scientific and thinks that they know so much and sort of comes off as a little bit pompous, I get the negative energy around him. But I really think that he is such a genuine, sweet dude who's really just enjoying this whole process. He has seven wins now. He's a major champion. Like, that's insane. Bryson DeChambeau, he, five years ago, he won the USAM and he was this scrawny kid. And now look at him. He's a major champion. And I think he's going to be a multi-major champion at some point just because of his game and his length and his birdie-making ability, but also his grinding ability. So can you imagine if it was Bryson and Patrick Reed in the final round, in the final grouping on that Sunday? I mean, that would have been an interesting uh, case study of golf Twitter. Let's put it that way. So Bryson DeChambeau, the winner of the 120th U.S. Open. We move on to the Masters in November for that next major championship. Let's talk about Tiger Woods. Uh, he wasn't good. Let's put it that way. And Bridget, I take no pleasure in being somewhat correct about Tiger's chances at the U.S. Open this past week. I had him at T44 for the week. He obviously did not make the weekend. Just his 11th missed cut in a major his entire career. By the way, also missed the cut at the 2006 U.S. Open. That, too, was at winged foot. Round one, 43% of fairways hit, 50% of greens in regulation. His putter saved them in the first round. Round two, 36% fairways hit. Again, 50% greens in regulation. The irons were better, but the putter wasn't. So it was a little bit of everything going wrong at different times, those first two rounds for Tiger Woods at the U.S. Open. I have been saying Tiger won't compete at many, if any, U.S. Opens or PGA Championships the rest of his career just because I think at his stage of his career, he's not a good fit for the U.S. Open because of the rough and the PGA Championship often because of the length. I wonder if that's too much of a hot take, Bridget, and I want to hear your thoughts on that because I still think he will be a perennial contender at Augusta and also at the British Open. And then your just general thoughts of Tiger's early exit at the U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, the course was playing tough, and he he struggled to hit fairways. I, I, I hate saying this, but I also do not see him winning another U.S. Open. I think that... Not only is the talent just so deep, oh, I love saying that, it's so deep on the PGA Tour, and there's so many younger guys who I think sort of dominate at U.S. Opens, and, and we saw that this past week, but just in general, because it tends to be the toughest setup in all of golf. The, it's not only the rough that's graduated and, you know, the farther you hit into it, the more penalized you are, Sure. The greens at Wingfoot this week were insane. The, the green on one is, it was the craziest looking green I think I've ever seen in my life. It was massive. So many ridges, so many slopes, just crazy. 
Bones referred to number two at Wing Fu as the hardest course in the world. Its nickname is Elm. He called it Nightmare on Elm. So mm -hmm. this, this course in general, just for me, was not for Tiger. Even though he had experience there, and I struggled to say that it wasn't for Tiger. He was disappointed. He was frustrated. I, I think that it's imperative that you hit fairways there. And the whole goal of, of entertaining an, an event for Tiger is what? It's to win. And he hit just five fairways on Friday. And I think he hit fewer on Thursday. I don't quite recall. But it's just he, he just wasn't going to make the birdies. It, there was wins. There was a lot of things that sort of impede Tiger. It was cold. Like there were so many factors that he looked tired on Friday. He looked like he was happy. He missed the cut. He wanted to get in his jet. He wanted to get the heck out of New York. He, he showed up. He showed face. I always love seeing Tiger. I think he looks great all the time, but if I'm really going to give an assessment, he looked tired. He didn't look like he wanted to be there. And, and that's that. And, and you sort of know, you could tell Tiger is a guy there's a few of them, but, but Tiger specifically, especially because his career, the longevity of, of his career, we could sort of make a case study of this. You could see when he feels well. You could see when he's struggling. You could see, you see all those things. There's a couple of players where they're struggling, but they, they put on the face. Dustin Johnson for sure is one. I don't know if that's because it doesn't really affect him. Jordan Spieth, you know what's going on with that guy. So Tiger is in that category of, you could tell on the practice, on the putting green or, you know, at practice range, whatever, that he's not going to do well that day. And, and typically that's been obviously later in his career, earlier on in his career. I don't know if I could have made that assessment, but as of recent, I saw him on Friday, like saw him in the flesh. He didn't look too hot. So I sort of, I sort of saw what was coming. It was sad. It was sad not to have Phil or Tiger in the, you know, make the cut in the final two rounds. But I think the baton has been passed a little bit, especially here in America, maybe not overseas, but especially here in the States. I think that the changing of the guard has already begun to happen. And I don't know if that was because we didn't see Tiger for a little while. And it was almost like those younger guys, the young guns had to step in, in sort of a way that well, we have to, you know, watch these guys because this is all we're going to get. And I, I say that in a, a totally joking manner. I love, I love watching Dustin Johnson. I love watching Ricky Fowler. Jordan Spieth is one of my favorite people to watch when he's on fire. 2015 Jordan Spieth, people were comparing him to Tiger. I love watching Justin Thomas. We all know that on the pod. I, I am obsessed with watching Justin Thomas. He also struggled really badly this week. So I, I mean, after the first round, he struggled. Right. I definitely think the changing of the guard has happened. And I think that Tiger knows that. And I think that that makes Tiger, this is going to sound really weird, but I think that that like gives him a little bit of calmness to know that there's not so much pressure on him to like carry the game of golf. And for all of you out there that don't think he did that, think he does, he didn't carry the game of golf. I'm, I'm sorry, but he did. He is the reason that we sort of have this opportunity to talk about him today he's the reason and I think that he sees that that's coming to an end obviously he won the Masters last year so I think he could win uh, at Augusta when he's 59 I really do but other than that 
I really don't see him contending in the majors. I mean, maybe at St. Andrews. Yep. So that's, that's the really cool thing. In the next, I think it's 22 months, he's going to have three master or is it? Yeah. It's three masters attempts and an open at St. Andrews. So he's going to have four attempts in the next, you know, less than two years to win. And that's awesome because he's going to be the same age basically. No top tens for Tiger Woods since the PGA tour restart. And so, you know, I was saying this all last week, there was no data available to us that could point us to Tiger winning the U.S. Open, finishing inside the top 10 at the U.S. Open, maybe even the top 25. And again, what I said all of last week was, except the fact that he's Tiger Woods, and let's put the asterisk next to his name because he has surprised us before. But if you want to go off of the data, if you want to go off of these statistics, they weren't there to project a good finish for Tiger Woods at winged foot. It's interesting, Bridget, that you point out the weather. I forgot that it got pretty cold on Friday and then through the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, think about that with Tiger and his back and waking up on that Friday. Who knows how he felt. And, yeah, you hate to hear that he was a little dejected uh, after that second round, but also, you know, somewhat glad because he can kind of move on and focus to other things and maybe work on his game a little bit. You have to wonder if Tiger is kind of the Peyton Manning of golf where the narrative with Manning was, oh, he's going to Foxborough to play Tom Brady in the cold. There's no way he's going to beat Tom. He's outside the friendly confines of the dome, right? And you have Tiger going to the – cool fall air if you will today is the first day of fall by the way in new york how will he hold up and i guess it was a storyline that i didn't really think about too too much i was more reliant on the lack of form but yeah the weather is certainly something that we need to ponder as we go forward especially at augusta it is georgia it is november i would assume it's low 70s but we shall see i'm not a uh expert of georgia weather during that time but we'll certainly monitor that But yeah, I mean, I was not exactly surprised about Tiger's performance. And, you know, this is by no means a eulogy. And Bridget, you certainly weren't eulogizing Tiger either because you just said he could contend at Augusta till he's 59. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I give him a good shot at the future British Opens as well. You can club down. And uh, that's what Tiger really does like to do, hit those long irons into the greens. He's still really good at that. So... Yeah, he's still going to be there, perhaps, uh, at the Zozo Championship. We'll talk more about that in a matter of moments with his new schedule here. And certainly will be a factor at the Masters. But in terms of the PGA Championships and the U.S. Opens, going to be tough sledding for him. You mentioned Phil Mickelson as well. I want to touch on him real quick because I said he would have been the 1B story of the year in golf if he were to win the U.S. Open at winged foot. 1A, of course, being Tiger winning. He looked bad, perhaps worse than Woods, plus 13 for the championship. Bridget, we love him. We love everything about him. And uh, you hate to see somebody like that struggle. He mentioned he would not play at the U.S. Open off an exemption. He ended up doing so, of course, because of COVID and there wasn't qualifying and all that jazz. So you have to wonder, is it time to put the nail in the coffin with Phil's chances at a career Grand Slam now? No, I don't want to. (laughs) But, but yes, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, Phil, 
I actually see Tiger winning a U.S. Open before I could see Phil doing it. But, you know, that would be a great story. I really wanted him to do well this week. Redemption at winged foot. But, no. He looked bad. He looked really bad. He – I don't he know. He looks lost he with me, his driver. He, he looks lost. He also looks frustrated, which I'm not really used to seeing Phil look that way. He seems like such a jovial character. I've seen him get angry, but he looks like he can't find something. So, yeah, maybe he is a little lost with the driver. Maybe he's just a little lost in general. When you go over to the PGA Tour champions and you see how you could just annihilate the fields over there, I don't know. Does that get into your head at all? Is that, like, weird? Do you then, like, think to yourself, man – I'm kind of old. I'm competing with these young guys, fresh blood. Why don't I just go somewhere where I'm comfortable? Not that I'm saying Phil would do that because that's not who he is. But you got to think that playing that PGA Tour Champions event, to me, was a lot more layered than we sort of talked about in, in, the, in the beginning. Now that I've hearkened back on it, I think it, it, it could have opened something up for Phil in the sense of, he referenced the setup at that PJ Tour event, and he sort of blanketed PJ Tour events in general, more of like club champion style setups, where if you try to hit it close on the PJ Tour, or sorry, you, you're going to have to hit it really close on the PJ Tour, or your ball is probably not going to wind up close to the flag. We're on PJ Tour champions. He was sort of saying like, if you hit it close, you're probably going to get a knock in. If you hit it like a semblance of closeness, somewhat close, you're probably going to get like, you know, a good five to eight footer. So uh, him referencing that was weird to me that he sort of broke it down like that after one event. And I don't know. I, he, he is 50. So I don't, sorry, Phil. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he'll win the Masters again. <laughs> I can hear the pain in your voice, and I'm right there with yeah. you because, yeah, I would have loved to see him hoist another, or his first, I should say, U.S. Open trophy, another major championship, but I don't know that that's going to happen. But, hey, maybe that coffee will work, and uh, we'll see him next year. <laughs> I actually want to try such that a coffee, chronophobic. too. Oh, have at it. I, I, I was saying I'm such a chronophobic. I just hate – the passing of time, which I know is inevitable, yeah. but it's just, it's a little rough to see. Trust me, I am Mr. Nostalgic and I try to cling on to memories as much as I can. So I'm with you there. Uh, let's talk about Tiger's schedule. He did reveal he will defend his title at the Zozo Championship, this time at Sherwood Country Club in California. So folks, you have some Tiger golf before the Masters, October 22nd through the 23rd. And then you have the Masters, November 12th through the 15th. Also a programming note, Tiger is today playing in the Paynes Valley Cup, which is a charity event with JT, Rory, and Justin Rose to provide some good PR to Tiger's designed course. Uh, so that's pretty cool. We'll probably talk about it next week, Bridget, with any updated thoughts about Tiger swing and all that jazz. But as we have seen before, uh, you know, you can look good at the match and then look not so good on the PGA Tour. But Tiger, back on the PGA Tour at the Zozo Championship. Are you surprised that he's defending his title and showing up at this event? Or did you think that was going to happen? No, I think anytime he has the opportunity to defend, he's going to go. And I think that Ha he him showing up and having him there does something for the event. And I don't think he takes that lightly at all. I think that he knows that 
him showing up to certain things definitely helps out the event in general. And I'm not just saying like, obviously fans aren't going to be there and all of that just in general, you know, it's like good PR for the event. So I always thought that he was going to defend his title and I'm not surprised. Yeah. He's playing today. So clearly there's nothing like wrong with him. Mm -hmm. He's teeing it up. Justin Thomas also teeing it up who said he wanted to break everything after Sunday at winged foot, you know, they get right back into it. I don't think anything's wrong with him sort of, his body per se. I think he was tired. I think Wingfoot tired him out. And I think that those conditions were not conducive to Tiger. It was cold. It was chilly. The wind was blowing. And had he made the cut and had he it up on Saturday and Sunday, he might've gotten injured to be perfectly frank about it. Cause he wasn't hitting fairways and it was cold and he could have been stiff. So I'm going to sort of take it as a blessing that he didn't make the cut at Wingfoot, and I'm not surprised that he's teeing it up in the Zozo, not overseas, but in the States. Of course, you know Sherwood Country Club very well, so we'll see how he does next month. Of course, we'll have that coverage right here on the show. This week, Bridget, Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. It sounds like a place I want to visit in a post-pandemic world. <laughs> But for not right now, obviously, not too much vacationing happening. So, Bridget, this is a very low-key event. I believe it used to be maybe a Corn Ferry Tour event. I'm not exactly sure. But not a lot of high-profile players are playing. With that said, for folks who love to watch golf, you will see a lot of young talent at this event. Henrik Stenson is the highest-ranked player in the field this week, and he's not really playing all that great. So maybe that's why he is playing, to figure things out. Bridget, here's the tally. You did great last week with Xander Shoffley. He finished fifth alone, so that got you $484,000. So that is your current lead over me because I have $0. Tommy Fleetwood missed the cut last week. And then the week before, Taylor Gooch, the Gooch, missed the cut. So with that, over to you, Bridget, with your pick this week. Will Zalatoris. He finished sixth, I believe, in the U.S. Open. He looks great. He's a Corn Ferry guy, so why not do well in a, a prior Corn Ferry Tour event? I think that he's he's sort of a guy to watch moving forward. I don't know if he is fully there yet, but I think at an event like this where the field isn't really stacked, I think he has a much better chance. So I'm going with Will Zalatoris. Yeah, if you're looking for value this week in this tournament, you're going to get it. Just throw a dart and you might even win. So we shall see. Yeah, I like the pick. Absolutely. Played well last week. I'm going with the number one putter in the field this week because the data has shown that top line putters have done well here at this tournament the last two years. Give me Denny McCarthy. I don't know too much about him. I'll be honest with you guys. I haven't done a lot of studying into his game, but I do know he's the top line putter in the field he hasn't missed a cut since july which is impressive because he's been playing in you know harder events and now he's playing in an easier event so you would think he's certainly going to make the cut and i think he has the upside to win the whole dang thing so give him give me mr mccarthy i think he can uh, get it done mr mccarthy all right well i'm going with mr zalatoris <laughs> I just add on a mister to sound professional, I guess. But yeah. Great. It's show your respect. Show your respect for Denny McCarthy. Okay. For, 
for the elite golfers of the world, you have to show your respect. Like you have to show respect to your elders and also the elite golfers out there. So, all right. So there you have it. That has been the Tiger Woods podcast right here on the Believe Network, the number one network for professionals. Check us out, Believe.com. Bridget, great to have you back. We'll chat next week. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about this charity event that Tiger is playing in and discuss what his swing looked like and plenty more coverage. So for Bridget Whalen, I am Cam Rogers, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.